0: All right, the other side of the political aisle, Tuesdays, featuring our political writers. It's a good one as well, Dan Schaefer. He uh, writes for the Recombobulation Area. Dan Schaefer joining us on the phone today. Hi, Dan.
1: Good morning, Steve. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. So there's a lot of things we can talk about. We always go back and forth. I always go back and forth with my guests before they actually come on the show. Let's start with Mike Gallagher, congressman from northeastern Wisconsin. Had a very controversial vote in the Mayorkas uh, debates. In the House last week, and announces shortly after he's not running. What do you make of it?
1: Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised by the announcement. You know, in in a, in short order here, Mike Gallagher has gone from the uh, you know the GOP's top pick to challenge Tammy Baldwin to a rising star chairing an important committee in the House to not seeking reelection. It's uh, things happen fast here. Uh, it's been quite the, quite the journey for Mike Gallagher over the past few months.
0: So I always, and this is speculation, I was, I've been reading a lot of reports about his decision, and, and, and um, he's very demonstrative about the fact that he, he didn't think that the, the challenge was met for the, uh, the impeachment of Secretary Mayorkas, which I respect. I've called Mike Gallagher for a long time the smartest politician in the state of Wisconsin, and I, I believe that. Um, is it a just a one of those... Life choices that says, you know what, this, this this isn't worth it. This is not what I signed up for. Or is there something else? A lot of people have sent me messages saying, "There's there's a a, a step here, another another step, another phase of his political career." What do you make of it?
1: Yeah, I certainly don't think this is the end of, of his political career by any means. He still has about you know four million dollars in the bank, I think. So you mm-hmm. don't uh, you don't exactly end the political. I think he was, had the most uh, cash on hand of any Wisconsin congressman, which just makes it all the more surprising. Uh, that he's not seeking re-election, um, but I, but I do think you know you can't. I don't think you can entirely divorce the idea uh, that he, uh, the the vote that he took earlier in the week with the decision to not seek re-election. Um, you know, it certainly seems telling about where the Republican Party is right now. Uh, judging by the response to that vote, I think we saw a lot of the people in the Trump world, the MAGA world. Really get fired up and and direct that uh, direct that outrage at Mike Gallagher. Uh, you know, I know Gallagher had a had a op out, I think, in the Wall Street Journal about it. You know, so it was yep. not like a you know a a, a quick vote. Uh, it was some something he he certainly seems to have thought out, uh, but maybe there's just not a place for him. You know, in the Republican Party right now. Um, you know, I, I agree with you. I think he's you know certainly demonstrated. Uh, Ability to be, you know, a more respectable, reputable uh, politician than a lot of his Republican contemporaries, frankly. Um, And so I don't know exactly what it means for the party that somebody who is seen as a rising star, um, you know, is is suddenly deciding not to seek reelection. You know, it seems to really say something about where the Republican Party is and about the total Trump takeover. Uh, that that has happened uh, for the Republican Party in recent years.
0: Dan Schaefer joining us on WTMJ. This quote from him is interesting because, um, well, I'll, I'll get your, your your perspective on it. The framers. This is a direct quote. The framers intended citizens to serve in Congress for a season and then return to their private lives. Electoral politics was never supposed to be a career. And trust me, Congress is no place to grow old. That's actually the way I look at it. Now, Senior Senator was from Wisconsin. Ron Johnson sort of used to say that, and, of course, he backtracked on that and ran for a third term. Is there a place for people in this country that that actually think going to Congress, being elected officials, shouldn't be a lifetime appointment?
1: Yeah, I thought that was an interesting comment from Gallagher as well. But, you know, I, I, I just think maybe it's maybe he recognized that, you know, his future – is not in in the current. I mean, you take a look at the way the House GOP has been run in recent months. You know, everything that happened with with speak Kevin McCarthy and and now with Speaker Johnson, and it just seems like, you know, it was getting harder and harder for him to find a find a path forward in the House. So, but I just I do think that he is going to still have a political future. So, you know, whether he you know is saying saying as much now that he should return home, you know, maybe it's a return home to. To run for governor in twenty in twenty twenty six. Oh, now that's,
0: know, that's that was my next 30. question. Yeah, what what is the next step? So, what do we know about people who are? We know Roger Ross uh, Roth rather has indicated that he is uh, he he didn't wait too long. He said he was going to going to run for that seat. What, what else are you hearing?
1: Yeah, Roger Roth was seemed very ready to announce. Uh, for <laughs> he, for didn't, he, he didn't was, wait long. You know, you know, it surprised everybody seemingly except for Roth. Uh, I know Roth's name had come up as a potential. Uh, somebody who might be running for Senate this year as well, you know, his his name has come up. You know, that it seems like Eric Hovde uh, might be the most likely candidate to be the Republican running for Senate in Wisconsin. I had heard Roth's name come up there, so maybe he just, you know, kind of pivoted uh, once he had the news and decided to run in his home district in northeastern Wisconsin in the Fox Valley there. Uh, so that did make some sense. I saw there was another um, kind of Trump-aligned uh, individual uh, from who had who had had roots in that area might not live in that area now. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name it was Alex Brustowicz, uh Brusewitz. Right. Uh, apologies for the pronunciation there. And then Andre Jacques uh, of De Pere was also uh, mentioned as as potential candidate. Uh, you know that's a very as it stands it's that's a very Republican district. I think you know Ron Johnson got close to uh, about sixty percent uh, of the vote there. So. You know that you have to project a GOP favorite there, but I think you know I always I always point to the Fox Valley as a really interesting swing region in the state. And you know while the while the district is has a heavy Republican lean, I imagine it will be more competitive now uh, with an open seat than it would have been with Gallagher running for reelection.
0: Good stuff, Dan Shaver. I'll we'll take a break here. After the break, I want to ask you about the the legislature, maybe giving a uh, re-review of the. Uh... Governor Tony Ever map proposal that they shot down previously with some uh, changes. Um, and what the governor might do on that, we'll discuss that with Dan Schaefer, our guest. Dan Schaefer joining us, he does every Tuesday. He writes The Recombibulation Area. Where can folks find your great writing, Dan?
1: Uh, you can find me at area.news. The Recombibulation the Area publishes on Substack, and you can find me on Twitter at Dan R. Schaefer. Where I will occasionally tweet about things other than the Milwaukee Bucks.
0: Yeah, and you often uh, post the pictures from the uh, the actual recombobulation a- area at the uh, the airport in Milwaukee. Is that? I assume that's where the, the motivation for the name of the of your writing came from.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I love I love the name the recombobulation area. It's the only recombobulation area in the world. Uh, it's this uniquely Milwaukee thing, and I thought it'd be a great name for a political column because we often have such a discombobulating news cycle. You know, pay a visit to the recombination area. Put your things back together so you, <laughs> right. get to your destination.
0: And I love that because I follow you on Twitter or X. I, I see all the pictures of people taking pictures of their bait. Like uh, our friend uh, Kristen Bry had a picture of, with uh, little Frankie on their, on one of their recent trips. It's always every day there's a new picture of somebody in that spot.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's become a thing for people to take their picture uh, in front of the recombination sign when they're traveling at the airport. Uh, and post it and tag me on Twitter. I think it's great. I love it. I love when people send me those pictures.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, a lot of people out there in Radioland going, I didn't know that's what the connection was, so now you know. All right, so uh, we've talked a lot about maps in the last uh, few weeks and months with you and my other guests. Um, we are currently in the, the post-consultant phase. There's some, some benchmarks that we'll get to. Um, but the Assembly and the Senate debating the idea of actually just giving Evers what he originally proposed. Now I've I've raised this question before with my political strategist friends who join me on Friday, Bill and Joe. Neither one of them I guess thought that it was that likely that would happen. And there's been some recent uh, conversation in the in the media about this is maybe a sort of a trickeration, if you want to use that term, that the, it's they're trying to set uh, the the governor up. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think it's a really interesting it's an interesting debate to be having. So I think, you know, basically what's happening uh, today is that the Senate, you know, has been discussing, the, the, and I think the Senate would be kind of the key chamber here. I think the Assembly would be able to, to pass a proposal if, if it came their way, but I think the Senate um, would potentially uh, vote on whether they would pass Tony Evers' maps, uh, the ones that he proposed, one of the, you know, kind of four submissions that are still being considered uh, by the Wisconsin Supreme Court. I think uh most people say that they these you know the four submissions that are kind of from Democratic groups and, and left more liberally aligned groups uh are pretty similar, but that the Governor Evers map is probably the most favorable of the four for Republicans. Uh so perhaps they're, you know, at this phase where they just wanna say, Hey, we're we're uh in a in kind of a bind here. We we would have uh you know, of the best opportunity to to maintain you know some level of majority uh, in in under Governor Evers' maps. So maybe we pass those. Um, you know, as opposed to some of the other maps that might just get a little bit closer to that 50-50 mark wow. um, in the uh, in the legislature in the Senate. So I, you know, and Tony Evers has said in recent weeks that if you know if the legislature were to pass these maps. That he would he would sign them. So I think that is a really interesting thing. And now I, I did see late last week there are a number of uh, number of folks on the left. I think uh, Congressman Mark Pocan, uh, a number of Democratic legislators, saying, "Hey, this is you know this is some sort of bait and switch. This is Robin Voss. There's always a catch." I think there's such a deep distrust uh, among so many Democratic legislators of, of a pro- proposal that Robin Voss would put forth uh, that they're they're not going to be helping. Uh, Republicans uh, in this plan at all. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens last time. You know, the Senate uh, was pretty divided on it and a number of, uh, they, you know, even after making some alterations to protect incumbents, they still couldn't get all uh, Republican senators to vote for those maps. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens today. There is a floor session debating that I've heard, you know, I've heard, uh, I've been trying to understand this a little bit more because the legal strategy is, is a little bit murky to me. And I've, I've heard both sides. Some people, say that it would be better to have you know uh the governor pass the map or the legislature pass the map and the governor sign it other people say that this is part of some nefarious strategy and that uh nobody should play along with it so well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens
0: according to the inter- interesting thing is that's really how it's supposed to work the legislature passes the maps and then the governor signs it so it's all sort of return to whatever normalcy there is in wisconsin do you do you see a scenario and you, you know the benchmarks better than i Where. Where, what's the next benchmark, if you know, in this process?
1: So basically, so they had, we had the consultants report on February 1st. Right. Uh, All the parties involved filed briefs uh, last Thursday on February 8th to respond to that consultants report. And then it's kind of up to the, up to the Wisconsin Supreme Court, whether they're going to select one of the four MAP proposals, uh, whether they would uh, have the consultants, you know, make alterations, improvements on any of those map proposals? Uh It's it's kind of anyone's guess what what might happen next. Um, so we're we're kind of in uh, we're un, we're in uncharted territory. So I you know it'll be interesting to see what happens in the legislature today. And I think you know if because if, I think in the initial ruling from the Wisconsin Supreme Court they you know had stipulated an option for what were to happen if uh, if you know the traditional channels. Uh, were to agree on a map. It's mm-hmm. The legislature passed a map and the governor signed it as as this, uh, you know, the way it's supposed to happen, right? Uh, so I think there's a lot of people saying that, you know, that that, that would be uh, the right route to take. Other people saying that there would be some some potential uh, gnarly legal challenges that could come from that. You know, it uh, remains to be seen.
0: The ultimate we shall see. We'll take another break. Dan Schaefer, our guest from the recombobulation area. After the break, traffic calming. Is it working in Milwaukee? Hmm. We'll discuss next. Continuing our conversation with writer Dan Schaefer, his recombination area is a uh, liberal-leaning look at state politics and national politics. We're going to explore a lot more of that as we move forward to the uh, 2024 election. Uh, Dan, I uh, raised the term or brought up the term, that's not my term, traffic calming, uh, the relationship between reckless driving, speeding, Uh, deaths by vehicle in this city of Milwaukee and uh, some efforts to sort of control that behavior. Surprise, surprise, seems to be working.
1: Yeah, I think this is a a really, really encouraging sign uh, for Milwaukee. A story from urban Milwaukee uh, late last week with the headline that says, data shows Milwaukee's traffic calming effort is working. Uh, So they had a number of projects that they have been implementing. If you're driving through the city, you've seen, you know, some of these concrete slabs and and protected bike lanes and some of these infrastructure changes uh, that we're seeing on city streets with the goal of, you know, reducing speeding, reducing reckless driving. Uh, And some of these projects are seeing some really, really encouraging early results. One of them uh, on, uh, I believe it was uh, Lapham Boulevard in the historic Mitchell Street neighborhood, A protected bike lane was added last year. Reduced the four-lane street to two lanes. uh, Moved the parking lane away from the curb. And as a result of the changes, a 69 percent drop uh, in the number of speeding motorists. That's pretty incredible. That's incredible. I think that is an incredible number. I think you know there's so many different ways uh, that people look at you know ways to, to address reckless driving. Obviously, there's a criminal justice aspect to it, but I think there's the infrastructure aspect to it. I think can't be overlooked and i think if you you know just make some some targeted infrastructure investments uh to make these roads safer i think it can be uh really paid dividends and i think that you know that type of thing the more we see these projects across the city uh you know i think uh, city engineer kevin Muse was has really been championing championing this uh you know kevlar johnson really been championing this uh, as a way to address, rec- you know, one of the many ways, not the only way, but one of the many ways to address reckless driving in the city. And I think this is really encouraging. I think this is this is something that we should celebrate uh, when we have, you know, uh, demonstra- demonstrable success like this.
0: Yeah, I love that it's data-driven. I've been saying for years, whatever you're talking about when it, when it comes to how you spend your money, how you enforce things—it has to be backed up with data. And this is one of those, those exam- shining examples of, of how that works. The other one that they've utilized are, are something called speed tables, which are essentially raised crosswalks, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it, I think there's there's those. There's the um, you know the, the different kind of bump outs uh, at intersections. You know, making it easier for, for pedestrians to walk across. Uh, and not, you know, uh, not get hit by a, a driver. Um, and, you know, there's so many different infrastructure uh, improvements, infrastructure investments that we can make to address this. And I think, you know, the data showing a 69% drop in, in one place, and I think it was close to a 40% drop uh, in speeding uh, you know, clear, close to Humboldt Park uh, in Bayview. I think this is really encouraging, and I think this is, this is something that the city should start working with the state department of transportation on because so many, so many of the uh, most dangerous streets uh, around Milwaukee are actually state highways. You think of Fondal Avenue, Capitol Drive, right. a lot of these places that have some of the, uh, some of the worst crash data in the city. I think, you know, the more that we can implement these, these targeted infrastructure investments uh, to make the roads safer for people, I think, you know, it is a great way uh, to address the reckless driving crisis from, from one, from one angle.
0: Yeah, it's not a one-time thing. There's 45 projects scheduled for construction this year, so it's uh, the work is not uh, finished. They're going to continue to uh, try to enhance these roadways to make them more safe. Hey, I can't let you get out of here. I know you're a big Bucks fan, and you and you often tweet or post about the Bucks. Uh, you got to like well, one what they did last night, but two, um, this team is getting better at defense.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm very happy with what I've been watching lately. Last night was a great one. That uh at going against the defending champs. You know, both teams rested after the day off during the Super Bowl and uh Bucks came out and played a terrific defensive game and uh you know, Giannis of course uh had a terrific performance as well. I I'm, I'm pretty encouraged. I think some of the low-hanging fruit that was there for for Doc Rivers coming into Milwaukee the things to clean up the transition defense. Uh, you know, just uh, the ability to protect the paint, get defensive rebounds, some of those little things that the Bucks weren't doing. Uh, having an experienced coach that knows how to implement some of that uh, seems seems to be working so far. Yeah, yeah Doc Rivers. You know, I know the record hasn't been great just yet, but I think I think over time we're going to see uh, we're going to see Doc Rivers, uh, you know, be able to to implement some things, especially on the defensive end. Very encouraged by
0: that. Yeah, and Craig, congratulations. Doc Rivers, 1,100 wins as a coach in the NBA. That's pretty significant. Hey, um, and the other thing, I think there's some buzz starting to make sure that Giannis is MVP. What do you think?
1: I, I, I like that. I, I sure like that. Yeah, I, I think the Bucs social media has been pushing that lately. You know, it's going to be interesting. It's going to kind of an open race for MVP. There's no obvious front runner. Giannis is putting up, you know, some of his best numbers of his career. He's shooting sixty percent from the field, <laughs> I know. which I think would be the first time in his career he'd done that. That's yeah. uh, that's a pretty remarkable number. If he can, you know, score thirty points a game on sixty percent shooting, that's uh, that's that's an MVP statistic right there.
0: All right, let's let's see what happens. All right, Dan Schaefer, how can folks find your writing?
1: Uh, you can find me at theRecombinationArea.news. Subscribe. You can get a free subscription or a paid subscription to help support our local independent journalism uh, covering news and politics in Milwaukee and Wisconsin.
0: All right, we'll reconvene next week. Thank you, Dan Schaefer.
1: Thank you, Steve.